Let us pray. Almighty God, give us the grace that we may cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility that in the last day when he will come again in glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we have a highly debated gospel passage this morning, Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. So I invite you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. Is Christ here speaking of his second coming or is Christ predicting the coming judgment of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. How do we interpret this text? Are we to understand it in a literal sense or a figurative sense? I submit that we are to see the veracity of Christ as both prophet and as king. Here we find a passage that is flexible Christ certainly is speaking of the fall of Jerusalem, but he is also giving witness of his second coming. And so I'm not to attempt to speak to all the different technicalities of this passage, but to try to provide to you the overarching emphases and do so like this. The scene that's brought before us is one that describes the divine majesty of Christ. It reminds us of the mighty creation story of Genesis. Here we see the sun and the moon and stars. Just as there was at the beginning, there will be at the close of the ages. That's right, the close of the ages. This was so at the close of the Jewish age, when Jerusalem was sieged, the temple was destroyed, and the Jewish people dispersed in 70 A.D., We read of historical records from Josephus and how the heavens were shaken and the stars were made like swords in the sky. And this will be at the close of the Gentile age as well, when King Jesus will return to judge all things rightly. In such events, heaven and earth was and will be shaken by the author and the perfecter. When Christ comes, it is a cosmic event. Creation gives witness of its creator. It did at the fall of Jerusalem and it will do at his second coming. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus prophesies of the fall of Jerusalem. He says that not one stone will be left of this temple. Forty years before Jerusalem's fall, Jesus gives witness of this coming judgment. Here he shows that he is both prophet and king. We see the veracity of Christ. Just as he predicted the fall of Jerusalem, he will show the reign and the rule in the end. Notice how when Christ comes, it will not be like his first. 
The first time Christ came in weakness, he came as a needy infant born of a poor woman. He was born in an insignificant place, a city of Bethlehem, with a feeding trough for his crib. He was unnoticed and unhonored, hardly known. But when he comes again, he will come with royal dignity. He will come with a heavenly army around him. He will be known and recognized and feared by all. The first time he came to suffer and to serve and was made a curse. But when he comes again, he will come to reign and to rule. All things will be made his. Here Christ shows his divine majesty. He will take the kingdoms and the nations of this world as his own and he will judge them rightly. The scene that's brought before us shows not only of Christ's divine majesty, but Christ's priority, which will be realized when he comes. Notice how great comfort this is for his disciples. They are made his priority. The first act upon Christ's return will be to gather his elect. The shepherd of the Most High will not allow one of his sheep to be lost. He will make safe his flock when he returns. It will be undeniably terrible for the unrighteous as heaven and earth meet with Christ's return. But he will keep safe all of them who put their trust in him. We must remember the purpose, you see, of Christ's judgment. Just as the fall of Jerusalem was an act, not only of divine judgment, but of dispersing and thereby gathering through God's providence his elect. So will Christ's second coming be a day of delight for those who put their trust in the Lord, but it will be a day of doom for those who are unrighteous. On that day, those who are in Christ will have a joyful meeting. On that day, the king will return to gather his citizens. He will make them to never suffer estrangement again. Oh, that we would know the comfort of Christ's promise coming. This is what he promises. He promises to come. After the labor comes the birth. After much tribulation comes life. So set your eyes on the promise, not the pain. Set your heart on the peace of God, not the problem of this wicked world. For God will come to make all things right. He will come to vindicate his children who are ready for his return. May we say with John, who was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, come, Lord Jesus, come. If we wish to know that joy of his second coming, then let us find comfort in Christ's promise now. We must not be distracted by the pain, but devoted to. By the promised seal of the Holy Spirit. And so I ask, are your hearts kindled with a love for him? Do we truly know that our Lord's priority is to gather his elect from the four corners of the world? Church, let us take comfort in the fact that God chooses to redeem. Election is not a doctrine to make us worry, but a doctrine to make us comfortable. To give us comfort. See, God chooses. 
And because he chooses, he has prolonged his return. Know that there is still time to be gathered. There is still time to be made one of his fold, to be made ready for his return. So be ready, says our Lord. Stay awake, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. We must be ready. As the late J.I. Packer said, when Christ returns, he will find his disciples praying for revival and planning world evangelism, but packed up and ready to leave nonetheless. There's much for us to do. Because there's much that our Lord has done and has yet to do for us. So may we find ourselves praying for revival and planning to share the gospel with the world. But may we also find ourselves packed up and ready to leave when he returns. The scene that's brought before us shows how our Lord provides signs to ready his church for his return. Yes, this scene shows us Christ's divine majesty. This scene shows us that we are Christ's priority, his children. And this scene shows us that God gives us signs to make us ready for his return. You see, just as the budding of a fig tree tells that summer is near, so will the signs reveal that the Lord's return is coming soon. As the great preacher once said, the world is wearing out. Soon it will have its rightful king. The world is wearing out. Make yourself ready for the king's return. And so let us wait patiently. Let us wait purposefully. Let us do so by watching and praying and working for the king's coming. Notice that we do not we are not given the exact time of Christ's return. Jesus says in verse 32, but concerning that day or that that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So we must not focus our energy and our efforts on striving to know what we are not meant to know. How better off we would be if we would focus on our Lord's intent for us. He does not expect us to be divine. Just as Christ is clearly speaking of his human nature here, not his divinity. He is revealing to us the good news. We just have to be human. We don't have to be something that we're not. We don't have to have an extraordinary, extraordinarily high IQ. We need not to raise ourselves to divine status. We cannot do this, nor should we attempt to do this. So do not speculate as to the time or the day or the hour of Christ's return. Rather, focus on the gift that Christ has given us, and that is eternal life. Focus on his great and abundant love. Focus on his undeserved favor. Upon us. The good news is that we can do what we are able to do. We can do what he would have us to do. We need not to expect to know anything beyond our capacity. And so let us ask ourselves, what is it that our Lord wants us to know? 
What has He revealed to us? Who is He and what has He given to us? If we are to know what it's like to search the caverns of our Lord's divinity, let us know what He has revealed to our human nature. And so what are we to do? Well, Jesus says, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. In verses 35 to 37, he says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The eyes of our hearts must always be open, whether we are awake or asleep. And this is what it means to put on the armor of light. We must ever be watching. There must be oil in our lamps. And so this is the first thing that we must do. We must watch. For the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. We must watch because Christ has come. Light has penetrated darkness. Let us open the eyes of our hearts. We're no longer to live in darkness. Beloved, what is it that you see? Do you see the pangs of Sheol, of uncertainty? Or do you see Christ, the gracious and merciful and righteous God, as the psalmist proclaims? You see, the night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You see, we have much to do. We must put on the armor of light and Advent reminds us that we have good works to do. We must look to Christ and by looking to Christ, we must follow him. We must act. We must have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count himself equal with him, but took the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, and this is how we are to watch we are to take up our crosses and follow him. We are to humble ourselves and walk obediently. Let it be said of us that we saw nothing but Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. We are to watch. We are to look at him. He's the way, the truth and the life. He's the one who will return for those who trust in him. And second, we are to pray. Be on guard. Keep awake, Jesus says. Although the practical duty of praying is not listed here, it is debated as to whether it was included in Mark's original gospel. For the word pray appears in some of the ancient manuscripts. But even more importantly, we find this practical duty of praying a consistent mandate of Christ's for Christ's disciples. In Luke 21, verses 34 to 36, Jesus says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and care of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. 
For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake, Jesus says, at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Following the apostles' words of encouragement to the Thessalonian church in the fifth chapter of his epistle, where he calls the children of light and he calls them also the children of day. And then he tells them to remain awake and be sober-minded. He gives them then, then this final instruction and listen to what he says. He says, pray, pray without ceasing. Our prayer for this first week of Advent is that we receive grace, that we receive undeserved favor Why? So that we might cast away the works of darkness and that we might put on the armor of light. There is much for us to do. And Advent reminds us of the good works that we are to walk in. How might we receive this grace? But by the Father's Son, who came to visit us in great humility in this mortal life. You see, Christ is the anchor. He's the linchpin. He is the example in which we are to follow. He's the one who transforms our empty requests and wishful thinking into relationship. A relationship that has no end in reach and in riches. So let us never tire of being a people of prayer. It is the silent sacrament that will strengthen our faith, encourage our hearts, And make us ready for Christ's return. Watch and pray. And lastly, work. We are to work. Jesus says in verse 34, It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Those who have been called to a certain and a sure hope are not to sit by idly, And waste away? That's not what they're to do. That's not God's plan for us. No, our Lord charges us with much work to do. Show me someone who is born again. And I will show you someone who has real meaning and purpose. That mobilizes and makes them to act courageously and obediently. And maybe one who is in prison or preschool or on her deathbed. If born of the water and the spirit, then she is a new creature filled with meaning and purpose. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Our Lord sets us on fire with a love for him. He gives us a mission with a joyful work. Yes, our works are no longer works of darkness, but works of light, which will one day be most realized when he returns. Remember this heavenly vision. Remember that our Lord is coming. There's nothing idle about waiting in Christ. We look to him who is on the move. We pray to him who opens his mouth and opens our hearts. We work for him who transforms our difficulty to delight. So may we count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds 
For we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. As child of God, let us ready ourselves for his return. Let us lack nothing and find joy in the joy of our beloved Savior and Lord. He comes with power and he comes with truth. But he comes with the priority to gather his elect. So when you see the signs of the time, when you see the tumult and the chaos of this world, when all hope seems to be lost, remember that all these things point not to despair, but to the hope to which we have been called. Our King of Kings, our Lord and Savior, our Jesus Christ, receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and put on the armor of light. Watch, pray, work for the glory of our Lord and our Savior. Amen.